This is the Ring of Honor, aka Shane T, boy, the baddest champion you ever seen, boy. This is Mister Anderson. This is good old Jr. Jim Ross, and you are listening. You're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. Starts now. Ooh, what up, though? It is a Thursday. This is Knockouts and Three Counts, and we've got a hell of a fight card coming this Saturday. So I figured, what a better time to bring our buddy James Lynch back. So how you doing, brother man? Doing great. Always enjoy being here, guys. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate the time, man. Corey, how are mine, you man. surviving? to chat. Uh, surviving. That's that's about the description <laughs> of it, especially with the uh, showtime being moved up a little bit this uh, on this lovely Thursday. I was racing to get dinner in and racing to feed the kiddos before bedtime, and you know, fun day. But glad to be back on the show and glad to be wrapping up the week. To be honest with you, I don't got much scheduled on my uh, Friday, so always a positive. Hey man, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Unlike our friend here, uh, James Lynch, staying busy as hell with all the interviews, man. I, I was keeping up on the Twitter page and stuff, doing all our research for the show. I, I couldn't even come up with a list of enough fighters in the last week and a half that you've had on, man. It was, it was It's crazy, honestly. Well, thanks. I appreciate you checking it out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do this full time, so I do. Yeah. I have to do a lot of interviews, but it's uh, it's yeah, it's great. It's just been a good couple of weeks of interviews, and you know, we got a big card on Saturday, so it's been nice that I got to talk to a few fighters on that card. And uh, yeah, it's just been it's it's been awesome, man. I love it. I love my job, man. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell in the interviews for sure. So, well, how you. was your Halloween, man? Yeah, because it, I I follow you on your social medias. You guys had probably uh, the most badass Halloween costumes. I mean, I went to uh, we were just talking about uh, Tuesday, how me and J-Bone went to uh, Creepy Cheapy down at the Crowfoot. So it was like a bunch of cover bands and a bunch of costumes. And it was uh, insane. But you guys were pulling out. You were pulling out your inner hitman, bro. I was not not quite as cool as a cover band concert, but uh, scouting the neighborhood here with uh, with with my four year old and uh, first Halloween for my newborn. So it was it was cool, man. Like it was I, I so I'll tell you how I came up with the Halloween costume. Uh, Pit Vipers is that company that makes those like retro sunglasses. So I bought a pair. I, I don't know. It was one of those things. Facebook knows me. Google knows me. They know they know what I like. So I, I saw one of those ads. All. They, they do. They really do. Cause I'm, I'm that guy. I'll see something like, Oh, it looks pretty cool. You know, maybe I can justify spending this. So yep. I bought a pair of like the Bret Hart style pit Viper glasses in the summer and I wore them golfing and I just, I love them. And, and they're just, they're awesome. Like my wife hates them, but I love them. It's, you know, it's one of those things like it's, they're badass. So I thought for Halloween this year, I was like, I got to go as Bret Hart because I have the glasses already. That's like a key component of the costume. Right. So they actually sell like a Bret Hart like style costume uh, and everything. So got that. I realized it didn't come with the wig. So the wig was separate. Looked more like Tommy Lee as far as the wig goes, but I did my best. <laughs> Tried to tie it up and everything, but uh, I was happy with how it turned out. And my son, uh, Landon, wanted to go as Batman. So I figured we get the most unlikely tag team in the world, and that is Bret Hart and Batman. I don't think it's ever been done before, but we did it on October 31st this year. Right, that's, so that's that awesome. breaks into, like, the best question of all of them. What would their finish be in a, See, tag, that's great, as a tag team? Yeah, so the sharpshooter, obviously, is, is Hart's move. So, I, I don't know. I think it would be, like, the the the, uh, 
the the bad assassination or something like that because it's it's got yeah the heart attack that's another one that's good (laughs) i was trying to think of like you know hitman is like assassination something like that so maybe like the i don't know like the 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 dark assassination or something like to tie the two together you know put it in a blender this is what you'd get type thing so um yeah we'll go with the uh Whatever you said. I, I think that sounds yeah, pretty so good. So the heart attack is their finish, which you remember if anybody ever watched the Heart Foundation when it was uh, Jim the Anvil, Neidhart, and Bret Hart. You know, they used to do where he'd lift him up, he'd bounce back and destroy him off the top. So I don't know. You, there's like a mil- You'd have to like find some way to like incorporate uh, Batman somehow. But uh, yeah. yeah, dude, I feel like you'd still have to go that way. And I mean, since Batman's got his cape, dude, you just get your get your speed coming off the ropes. You'd be straight, dude. I feel like yeah, it'd man. give you like the extra aerodynamic vi- uh, velocity on it, man. It's and a huge uh, for, I mean, right? That's what I'm saying. Aerodynamic make you quicker, maybe theoretically make you faster. But I mean, hell, we're talking about superheroes anyway, so I mean, they can pull anything out of the bag. But like I said, man, it's been uh, it's been a minute since we've gotten to have you on. But how are you feeling about uh, UFC 268 this weekend? Great card. Wish I could be there. You know, it's just reminding, uh, you know, kind of seeing the memories and everything that it was two years ago. We had 244. I was at that card. That was Diaz and Masvidal. Um, so, you know, still kind of I can technically travel to the States now, but just with having my newborn, it's too tough to, to do any traveling right now. But uh, awesome card. I've been wanting to see this rematch with Covington and Usman for a while. I know there's a lot of people who think, oh, it shouldn't be happening. What has Colby done? The first fight was close. It was a good fight. I know Colby got finished, but, uh, you know, this is a, this is, you know, it's, it's talking about pro wrestling here. This is a great match like this is something you don't see too often it's two people who genuinely hate each other and to boot we get a really good fight out of it as well like these are two guys who are in the prime of their careers right now so really excited about that then you got gaichi and chandler i didn't even mention the co-main event Zhang and and rose and you know maybe does this continue their rivalry does rose end this chapter and you know continue her dominance uh we'll, we'll have to see i mean this card just top to bottom is so great and, and the ufc definitely pulled out all the stops for their return to new york at ufc 268 yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. Go ahead, Corey. The the, the whole fights, the whole cards just absolutely stacked, and not to not necessarily bounce back. But what was your thoughts in review of the uh, Abu Dhabi card? Oh, amazing. Glover Teixeira, 42 years old. Never count out a fighter, man. Like, I, I see so many of these MMA fans. Guy loses a couple fights. Oh, he's done. He's, he should go to Bellator. You know, people were saying that about Glover when he had his losing streak a couple of years ago. And you know what he did? He gave him the middle finger and said, I'm going to go win the title uh, a couple of years later. And that's exactly <laughs> what he did. And uh, what an incredible run it is. You know, I do feel a bit for Jan Blachowicz. He didn't have the title that long. But, I mean, Glover getting getting the belt is just such a great story. And just, you know, goes to show that you can't count anyone out, whether it's MMA or anything. You got to – you never give up on, on your dreams. Uh, that was amazing. We had that amazing bantamweight fight in the co-main event with, uh, you know, Jan and, and um, uh, uh, Corey Sanhagen, uh, which, you know, all things considered with the Aljo fight – with Aljo being out, you know, you get a really good fight there. Um, just a lot of really good highlights. And then you had the, you know, the sort of the Dagestani invasion here with, uh, you know, Chimaev and Islam Mahashev. So had a little bit of everything, but it definitely was one of the best pay-per-views of the year. And uh, I thought it delivered on, on a number of different levels. Um, and just super impressed with what the UFC was able to put out last Saturday. Yeah, I love the fact also that you mentioned the pay-per-view aspect of it, but being pay-per-view as in all you needed was ESPN plus. I don't know. Ah, you if you're in the U S it was, if you were ESPN like me in Canada, you had to pay for it. So, um, yeah, you, okay. yeah we, we had to pay the, the 60 bucks or whatever. Finally but, an advantage whatever. for paying for this shit. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's no, and, and it's I like like I I get it too because I I think and you know people are like why was it a free thing? I think it's because of the time slot, right? They couldn't. I mean, doing a pay per view in the middle of the day is, is kind of tough. Right. I mean, I still watched it, but still, I don't. I know did what the while I was like at work can. throwing the stamps. There you go. Yeah, so t- took advantage of it, but yeah, you bring up a good point. Like, are we going to see more of this in terms of them? I think they're going to continue to go back to Fight Island, and it's such a big market for them. I think you'll see this again, where it's just going to be a non, you know, pay per view type situation for the American viewers because we we don't get ESPN Plus here in Canada. That's the big reason why. I think if we did, then we probably would have got it for free. Yeah, so, so it, was, it was very surprising to me in the aspect that they had already done it with like the Khabib cards and stuff like that. I know Khabib being the star that he was, they could obviously charge money for that, but it, for them to lean into the completely free, you know, free with quotations of ESPN Plus aspect of it, it was genuinely surprising. For, for them to give it up. Well, okay, yes, yes, in the sense of like, yeah, that they did it before, but you got to look at it as well. I mean, were there any real superstars on that card? Like outside of like our typical MMA bubble, no yeah. John Jones, no McGregor, none, none of those sort of names. You know, main events, Glover and Jan Blachowicz. I could walk to the grocery store right now, survey 20 people. No one's going to know yeah. who either of them are. It's just the truth. It's not to disrespect them. It's just they didn't have that sort of that sizzle that would that a typical pay-per-view like this Saturday has. I mean, you ask somebody about Colby Covington, someone's going to know who he is, right? Just because of everything that he's sort of put himself out there so um yeah i think that's part of it as well and i think that's also why they sort of delayed that fight as well you remember glover and Jan had been booked for a while they're like yeah this is definitely the next fight just took a while for them to actually book it i think they you know because they're not quite that time type of like you know sexy sort of headliner so they had to put it on a card where they you know put two title fights together throw islam on there you know appease everyone else and, and you're good to go so that that's kind of why, why i think they went that route yeah that's definitely a valid point and i feel like they were hoping uh for Jan Blachowicz, he was going to progress into that after beating uh, Israel, that he was going to kind of progress into that star-filling slot. But, yeah, unfortunately, I I agree with you. I mean, there's no other way to look at that Jan fight other than Glover came in there and just dominated. I mean, there's no – I mean, I don't – there's no other way to look at it. And, I mean, I don't think anybody expected it to be – even if Glover was going to win, I don't think anybody expected it to be that way. And I mean, respect to Jan because Jan didn't make, you know, any excuses. He's like, he beat me. You know what I mean? Like there was no, there was no excuses about injury. There was no, and like, even if you watch like the embedded and all that stuff leading up to it, like he, um, you know, he said how like everything was split, even having his family there, like he was up in first class and they were, you know, in the back of the plane. So he had had himself separated and, you know, isolated for everything as well. Um, before we get to, uh, the main, the main event of this show of UFC 268, you know, this is why I appreciate all of you guys that listen to the show, because they're letting me know about news that apparently has happened in the last hour that I didn't even know has happened yet on the wrestling end. So off UFC topic, but WWE has now released, uh, Scarlett Bordeaux, Frankie Monet and Ember Moon. Which is crazy because with seeing Carrying Cross and what they've done on Raw and everybody's been asking where the hell she been at for the longest time, for them to just drop all three of them, Ember Moon more surprising being in the ring, but dang, dude. Like, you never know from week to week what the hell they're going to do at this point. Yeah, it seems like they're just chopping heads over there, honestly. It, 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 without much thought into a lot of it, I don't know if it's like a money issue or if they're just worried about building up new stars or if they didn't necessarily garner the star power out of some of these people that they were hoping or something like that but they just seem to be chopping heads over there i i don't know man 
it's crazy because Frankie Monet just wrestled for the title. Not even, Oh dude, it was like two months ago. So it just seems, it seems so off topic, but like I say, anything with what they're doing with NXT and all that right now, I don't think makes a whole lot of sense now that they've had uh, Vince take more control of it. So like I said, I think they're just moving from week to week, but we'll have to see what happens out of it. Um, all right. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, James, in the wrestling sphere of things. Have you seen uh, American Top Team doing their thing over there on AEW? I actually interviewed Dan Lambert about that a couple of weeks ago. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very much sort of like, again, casual wrestling fan here. I, I, sort of keep, I, I, I watch it from sort of afar. Um, I follow a lot of people that cover wrestling as well. Um, so it's uh, for me, it's yeah, I, I think, it, I think it's amazing. Dan seems to be a complete natural at it. Um, I know the fighters, you know, just speaking to Dan about it, you know, cause I really, I, I it wasn't like an MMA interview. I actually wanted to yeah, know yeah. sort of the wrestling side of things and know what, like who's into this, who likes this. And they're all, they're all in like junior dos Santos, huge wrestling fan. Uh, Austin Vanna, for page van zant they're all you know all about it so i think it's great I, I think it's good to blend the two audiences and i think with aew there's so much room for that type of stuff to happen i, I think the wwe's you know a little bit more sort of buttoned up that way so i think it's just great for for dan to, to utilize this with his fighters and you know get their names out there a little bit more and let's be honest it's better for the fighters because they're putting themselves in another audience that they normally would be exposed to and dan is like the perfect guy to do it because he can do the promo stuff um he's got the connections i know he mentioned his friendship with tony khan as well so uh it's just it, to me it's just been it's been great to see and look these fighters now they have options outside of mma if things like look at a guy like junior dos santos personally if junior wanted to call it quits i'm cool with that you know i'm never going to be that guy to say hey hold on and go to bellator or go do whatever why don't you go try some pro wrestling have some fun with it you know see if you can make a little bit of money and make some new fans uh, from going to the pro wrestling room i mean you've seen the transition of somebody like kane velasquez even you know he, he made a even though WWE has since released him, he, he made a pretty successful run. He just wrestled in AAA point. again. Yeah, that's what I'm, I mean. It's not that he's out of the game. It's just, you know, it, he's made a pretty successful run of himself. And you can see a lot of people that are kind of aging in their careers like that. Like, I feel like the, the two people that are at the main of it are Arlovsky and, like you said, JDS. And I feel like between the two, it's a really good, like, two faces that could transition into wrestling. I yeah. feel like that's a perfect selection, not only because of the age and the stages that they're in in their career, but because they could, really could get, uh, God, we can't talk today. They really can't get, they really could gather some type of fanfare over in the wrestling uh, sphere. Well, Arlovsky's cut out for it. The only thing with that is I'm kind of shocked that Dana would have let him do it, to be honest with you. I mean, he just fought for him like a week ago. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm surprised Dana let him do it. Even if, even let's just say Arlovsky doesn't have like too much action in the match. I'm still surprised he put him out there because he's still under contract for however many other fights he's got with him. But uh, I mean, that'd be an interesting thing to find out too down the road. But like I say, I thought JDS did all right. I mean, hell, he went through a table in his first match, but he's also saying he wants to box. So do you got any thoughts on him still trying to uh, step into the boxing ring? And do you think his chin will still be able to stand up for it? That's the question. I mean, you know, people automatically think when MMA fighters go over to boxing that they're going to have all the success. It's just a different sport, you know? And I think we yeah, saw that with Tyron Woodley and Jake Paul. Like, you know, I, I wish them the best. I think it's great what Anderson Silva was able to do, but I think people forget the guy he beat is not very good, right? Like that, that's one thing. I know he's got the last name of Chavez, but, um, you know, from people I've spoken to in the boxing world, that was a tailor-made fight for Anderson to win. And, you know, he might be one of the few that can find a little bit of success. But a lot of these guys, like if JDS goes over, I mean, what's been his biggest problem over the last couple 
couple fights, his speed, he's slowed down. He's taken a lot of damage. I just don't see that translating well to something like boxing where your speed's got to be completely on point because it's way more technical. You don't have other, you, you're, you know, Rogan always points this out. It's, it's a limited form of fighting, you know? So you're taking away a lot of tools that you normally wouldn't have uh, in an MMA fight. So, um, you know, I, I'm a little kind of, you know, I, I mean, I'm happy. I, I'm happy to see these guys make money, but I also think like, you know, what, what are going to be the repercussions as well if you step in there with someone like that's actually got some good knockout power. So I'm, you know, I'm cautiously sort of, you know, looking at this and, and hoping for the best, so to speak. Yeah, I could definitely see him leaning into one of the more like celebrity type fights. But if you're talking about JDS, like if he's talking about it the way that I had seen a couple of um, quotes and stuff come out where he was wanting to try to contend in heavyweight boxing, I feel oh, like no. that's not not a great move in the, in the stage in his career. If he wants to do a couple celebrity fights, like a some type of heavyweight name, whoever that draws some type of star power, like a Jake Paul or something like that, you know, then that would be cool. Then it would be cool. But to do any real contention climbing or anything like that, try to become a contender in boxing. I feel like those days are behind uh, JDS. And I, I say that as a huge JDS fan. I always grew up yeah. loving Junior Dos Santos. But that being said, that's that would be a tough road. Man, if I were JDS, I would just hop on this wrestling train real quick because, I mean, like I said, especially in a place like that, I feel like, or, I mean, do you think there's any chance that he would end up in Bellator? I think they had their opportunity. I, you know, they could have done the Fedor fight, but I know, you know, part of that's the price tag. Like what, you know, he was making a lot of money in the UFC. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how that would go, to be honest. I, I think Bellator's getting away from getting some of these aging UFC veterans. Like there's a few guys they brought over that are a bit older, like Romero. But, um, you know, just from speaking to people in the industry, it seems like they're more concerned with bringing guys on the come up that they can work around, you know, like your Brett Johns or, you know, Eric, like guys that Jeremy Kennedy, guys that they, you know, are from the UFC or have some sort of talent that they can sort of build on as opposed to what they were doing before, which is like, hey, Roy Nelson. Hey, like, you know, yeah. some of these other guys come on down. You know, they're not doing that anymore because I think fan, I think. I think, to be honest, fans have kind of seen through that, and they're like, okay, it's a big name, but we just don't want to see him fight anymore. We're good. Yeah. I agree 100%. We've been saying that every time we watch a Bellator, uh, Bellator card lately. I mean, in a lot of ways, it seems like, at least with the bigger names that have been promoted, even if you look at the light heavyweight Grand Prix, I mean, Corey Anderson's looking great, but, I mean, Bader was another UFC guy, you know, and eventually these guys have only got so long. So I think it's a great move by Bellator to start doing that. Now that's not shitting on any of those guys by any means. No, no, of course. What I'm and saying. it actually worked out well for Bader because he ended up becoming a two division champion. Would that yeah, have happened right. in the UFC with guys like Jones and Cormier and whoever were in there? Probably not. So I think they got the most they could out of Bader. Remember Bader beat Fedor as well. So that's something where, you know, you're, you're right. getting a lot out of, out of these guys. Mitrion, remember Mitrion went over and had a lot of success early on too. So, I mean, they, they got with the, needed with certain guys but i think they're sort of realizing like these are not long-term projects they're short-term projects that they can use for other things like the guy that bader lost to um you know the russian like he's a guy that now has a bit of pop because he beat bader so that's kind of you know they're, they're kind of doing a good job that way in terms of managing the roster of a mix of you know up-and-coming talent and a few sort of notable names yeah i'm definitely excited for the the eclipsing i guess you could say of this uh light heavyweight tournament for when it's nemkov versus Corey anderson it's gonna be a fun fight for sure absolutely um I feel like Bellator, since they did their like soft rebranding where you, like you had noted, they're, they're kind of done signing like X, X UFC guys that don't bring as much to the table or as are older in their career and stuff like that. They're more so worried about building in home talent or signing like LFA pros, uh, 
LFA prospects and the such. Um, they've done a lot better since then. I know this Fedor event that they, they just put on was kind of like an older guy fight, but for the most part, they've done a lot less of those since then. And it, it's, you can even note uh, to this event that they have going on this weekend in Ireland. I mean, that both of those fights, both uh, Peter Queeley versus uh, Pitbull and um, Gallagher versus uh, Apache Mix, both of those are really entertaining, younger, up-and-coming fighters that are both built inside the promotion. So you can really look at that as like a progression that they're going in. And I feel like it's definitely the right step. For Bellator, for sure. And think about this, sorry to interrupt, but I mean, they're going overseas. The UFC hasn't done that other than Fight Island. Like they've been to the UK and now they're in Ireland. Like that's a really good sign for them because they're getting a leg up on the UFC uh, and doing that. Remember the UFC tried to do that card in London. It didn't end up happening. Uh, Bellator seems to have a better in there. Plus Bellator has been to Hawaii. They're doing little moves like this that will help them out long-term because I mean, think there, there's an appetite for MMA and, you know, in the UK and for them to be able to do a show in Ireland, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's something the UFC can't take advantage of right now. Yeah, in Europe in general, really, because I follow a, a lot of European uh, media. I'm sure you do as well, being in the media world. And uh, a, a ton of them do more posts about Bellator than uh, M- American media does, like tenfold. So yeah. you can definitely see that they're doing their best to get a foothold in the European market. And it, it seems to be working, to be honest with you. Just uh, quickly, I'm noticing some other wrestling news because you guys were mentioning it earlier. Eva Marie's been released by the WWE. Maya Kim, I don't know, Yim, I don't know how you say that. Mia, and Keith Mia Lee. Yim's gone too? Yeah, and Dang. Keith Lee has been released as well. Wow, dude. That's just wild, man. Like, Keith Lee. So, I was at Keith Lee's last match before he went to NXT. Uh, it was here in Michigan at the Knights of Columbus. And, uh, dude... I just don't understand what they didn't see in that guy. That guy is huge and and a hell of an athlete for being that big. And Mia Yim had all the background in the world coming from TNA. You know, they had the knockouts division, which arguably was one of the best women's divisions for a while, because we all know WWE's women's division was kind of on the back burner for a long time. It's just crazy to see like some of the people they're letting go because it's like, I think I personally think that a lot of this has to do with, Either A, Vince didn't understand them, or B, more likely, I think both companies are going to start running into a problem of having too much talent. But that's why this Ring of Honor thing, I think, could be a bigger impact than people think with, you know, them going away on this hiatus and then this rebranding, whatever that's going to look like. You've got all these new, this new talent that's going to be out. And like I said on last week's show, or on Tuesday's show, matter of fact, I said that I thought the best thing for AEW to do would be to go and get some of Ring of Honor's uh, female talent. Well, AEW's got a lot of people too. So, I mean, eventually, dude, it's crazy to see just how things are going to start playing out because I feel like eventually you're going to have to start seeing that on the other side too. Yeah, it's nuts. Crazy business, crazy business. Not lying. All right. Well, like I say... Before we get out, before we get to UFC 268, did you do you know uh, anything about Brian Danielson? I do. I know that he's with the AW now. Again, casual cool. wrestling fan here, um, which has seemed to be a big pickup. And from what I can tell, it's been very well received over there in terms of that that pickup. I okay. So we've got the AEW World Title Tournament. Uh, him and Miro um, now with John Moxley uh, stepping away to go to uh, rehab. Which hey. I got all the respect in the world for that. 
I, you will not hear me say one ill word about somebody doing that. Take care of what you got to take care of. Um, I think that was a good move and, a, and, uh, you know, that's got to take a lot of guts to pull yourself out when you're in the height of it. I mean, that guy's literally everywhere. We just got back from Chicago from CM Punk's big return. And, uh, yeah, dude, Mox was right in the middle of it. So respect to him, but Corey, I'll pose this question to you. Danielson versus you got Danielson versus Miro. Who do you got? Uh, probably Brian Danielson, just because of the fact that he's getting a big promotional push since he's, you know, gotten the signing to AEW. I would say it's going to be Danielson too. Uh, but I feel like, I feel like Danielson to tie him up. We saw him win by via triangle last week. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see, uh, where that plays out, but I can't even hold you up as good a match as that's going to be UFC 268. It's got me pretty damn excited because mm-hmm. this is a hell of a card. So. Yeah. The way they've got this lined up right now, I doubt it's probably going to be in this order. I'll start with, uh, you've got, I was listening to uh, Billy Q with uh, our buddy and past guest of the show, Ryan McKinnell over there on MMA Today yesterday. Um, you got Shane Burgos versus Billy Quarantillo. I think I said that right. But uh, Close enough. That's a hard one. All right. <laughs> I was trying to. That one's a tongue twister. Apparently, I can't talk today either. So now we're even, Corey. But uh, like I say, I like this fight. I feel like this is going to be a banger. Who do you got? Uh, who do you got in this one, James? Well, first I'll mention they switched the bout order. This was just announced yesterday. They actually put Gaethje and Chandler opening up the pay per view, and that's partly because Trevor Whitman is going to be in the corner of both uh, Gaethje, Rosnami Yunus, and Kamar Usman. So it kind of spaces out things a little bit. Um, but yeah, Shane Burgos, Billy Q, great fight, battle in New York, right? Buffalo against uh, New Jersey, so that that'll be fun. Uh, Burgos is, you know, obviously looking to rebound from that loss. Had some Barbosa. I think what it's going to come down to is I feel like, and I've described this a few times, is I think like Shane Burgos is like just like what Billy Q could be in a few years. Like I feel like Burgos has done those reps. He's been in there with some of the really tough guys in that division. Cater, uh, Edson Barbosa. You've seen him, you know, be in there with with some of the top guys. Whereas Billy Q really hasn't got his feet wet in that regard. And I think that Shane Burgos possesses a little bit more power. I think the fight stays standing, yeah. and I think Burgos just kind of gets one of those like 29, 28, 30, 27 type decisions where just the shots make the difference. I don't think you're going to see a knockout believe it or not. I think we're going to see sort of an all-out war. Yeah, I think Billy Q sort of learned his lesson in that Gavin Tucker fight where you can't get too reckless. Um, with Burgos, he needs to win as well. So maybe a little bit more tentative, but I think Burgos eventually, his striking will be the difference. And I think he takes like a, a decision in this fight over Billy Q, but it'll be a one of those fights where I think Billy Q's stock will go up because he took that level up in taking on a Shane Burgos. I, I agree with a lot of your points, but uh, to my pick completely kind of counteracts yours, I guess you could say. Because I feel like that would be the smart fight for Shane Burgos. But I feel like as much as I am a Hurricane Shane fan, he's put on amazing fights. There's a reason why he earned that nickname. And it's not because he comes in there and fights smart. More often than not, he goes in there and looking to end the fight at any given point possible. And I feel like with somebody like Billy Quarantillo, if you put yourself in any given uh, bad position, especially if he ends up on the ground, like you say, the fight very well could be contested all three rounds on the feet. But uh, Corntillo's shown an amazing job of uh, cinching up uh, submissions as soon as he's able to get that spot. And if Shane Burgos over is it overextends or even starts to get a little bit tired or worn at any point in the fight, I feel like we may end up seeing a submission from Billy Q, honestly. Interesting. 
That's good. I, I'm trying to think, has Shane been submitted before in his career? That'd be interesting, but, uh, I, yeah. I, I, that's a, that's a valid point too. Cause I, he, he does have some three losses, the, the strongest of killer instincts. That's what I love about Shane Burgos is he just does not ever give up on himself. I mean, to your point in that last fight where he's looking to bounce back from his body gave up on him before his mind gave up on himself. It was just an insane fight. It really was. I mean, and he always does that. So I feel like it would be smart to your point if he kind of played a more not less aggressive style because I feel like that's part of his game is leading with the pressure. But it, it would be smarter in that way. But I feel like these two are going to go in there and bang. And whoever gets caught or whoever catches one, it, it's going to be a tough fight either way. But I, that's where I think because I think Billy Q may end up with the sub. With the quick I, research, so, though, what what'd you see? Did, have we seen any uh, submission losses from uh, Shane Burgos? Uh, we haven't. No, he's lost three times, tuned by knockout, one decision. So. Okay. so the one thing for me on this fight is it's like uh, a lot of what you said, James. I feel like Shane Burgos has the tendency to just be real wild at times, which in some situations definitely serves him well. Uh, in this fight, I think he'd be really well served to kind of, you know, lay back a little bit because I feel like Billy Q would be is going to be somebody who's going to be sharp and trying to look to uh, capitalize on uh, his mistakes. Um, as far as a winner in this one, I, I want to see Shane Burgos bounce back because I love to yeah. see him bang, dude. But I uh, something tells me Billy Q is going to get the dub in this one. I'm not sure on the method of victory, but something tells me that Billy Q is going to get the dub on this one. All right, let's see. So we talked about the three, uh, the three fighters for Trevor Whitman. Um, let's start with the one that's probably going to be the one that leads to the next title shot. Um, the Justin Gaethje, um, Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler fight. Um, this fight is probably the one that even if everybody's looking forward to the title fights, this one could steal the whole card, which is another reason why it's just insane how stacked that this card is. Um, I don't know, man. I, I've gone back and forth like multiple times on how I kind of feel this fight's going to go because I feel like with both of these guys, even though they both have, you know, wrestling backgrounds, I think we all know that they're going to bang in this fight. I don't think that this is going to be a fight where you're going to see a lot of wrestling. Now, I think the guy that tries to imply that more or implement that more, um, I think could be the difference in the fight. Um, for me, man, something tells me, I think Gaethje's going to come back and uh, get him the dub over Michael Chandler. Um, I think it could be by a nasty knockout as well. What are you guys thinking on this one? Uh, I think it's going to be Gaethje as well. I think he's he's shown more. He's been, you know, we, we've seen him in there with some of the best. We've seen him, you know, finish Tony Ferguson, which is extremely tough to do. Uh, we've seen, you know, other fighters not be able to, to do that. Um, to me, what it comes down to is level of opposition. And also, I think the fact that, you know, Gaethje, his losses are fights that he was throwing the kitchen sink at the other guy and just happened to get caught. I mean, I don't know if you guys were at UFC 218 in Detroit. I was. Yes, um, sir. That was a fight where I, I was there too. And by the way, love that. That's one of my most memorable cards that I've ever covered. I love that. That was so city. awesome. 
yeah, it was such a good card in that arena. I love Little Caesars anyways. But, um, you know, the, to me, it was it was one of those things where we that was wild Gaethje, right? Like he was going at it. It was like kill or be killed. And he just got caught and he, you know, he got knocked out. But Chandler, if you look at his losses, there's been a few where it's like that wasn't the case. It was like I know Pitbull kind of finished him quickly. Remember the Will Brooks losses? Like those are weird. I know they were ages ago, but still like Gaethje's never had a loss like that. And, you know, when you have a fight that's this even two wrestlers turned strikers, two guys that have, you know, for a long time were considered the best lightweights outside the UFC Gaethje with World Series of Fighting and Chandler with Bellator. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they're very similar. So you got to look at like X factors. Chandler's a little bit older. He's had a few more injuries. And I, I'd also say the fact that I think Chandler, um, you know, again, like he's just he's he's had worse losses than than Gaethje has. And I think Gaethje's smarter now. I think he's going to be more technical. And I think he goes out there and finishes Michael Chandler. Like you said, I think, uh, you know, all the credit to Chandler for finishing Dan Hooker. But I, I don't know if that result happens nine times out of ten. I think with uh, with with Gaethje, I think he's proven more in the octagon. And I think he gets it done on Saturday. I, I definitely agree with you, both of you guys on this point. Um, Gaethje and Chandler both go in there to bang. It's going to be a crazy fight. There's no denying that. But I feel like Gaethje is more warm tested, I guess you could say. He's been in there in with more notable opponents, that's for sure, if we're going to compare opponent versus opponent. And even the fights that, to your point, that we have seen Gaethje lose, they're more often the biggest of slugfests where he ends up even though he's done a ton of damage and it still succumbs to some type of damage later on. And where we've seen Chandler lose is he isn't able to sustain as much damage and ends up falling sooner. And I feel like that's going to be kind of the, the way this fight plays out is the fact that Chandler just isn't going to be able to deal with the pressure that Gaethje's implementing on him. I, I really, that's how I feel is that Gaethje's going to be all over him. Chandler has shown that he's amazing for being the shorter fighter and being able to get in range on people. But I feel like the, the Trevor Whitman camp and the jab and stuff that they implement and stuff, I feel like that with Gaethje already having a size advantage and I feel like going to be on the front foot, it's, it's going to be, I feel like Gaethje a hundred percent in this fight. Well, apparently Kathy agrees with you. Shout out to Kathy. Get you a yeah. twisted tumbler. Kathy is like one of the most loyal. Yeah, man. Always. One of the most loyal listeners of the show, watchers of the show, viewers of the show, whatever you want to call it, because she has hooked not only us up with those badass twisted tumblers, but people Both like our buddies. Uh, yeah, right. And our buddies, Bobby Nash and Kenny Cross, man. Hey, do you got any thoughts on uh, Kenny Cross uh, returning to the XFC cage? Yeah, everyone's better watch out. This guy is back with a vengeance. I cannot wait to see Kenny Cross back in action again. One of those guys that should be in the UFC. I think he's just going to wreak havoc. And I'd be worried if you're anyone in that weight class. It's going to be nothing but fireworks. And uh, yeah, just really excited to see what what he can do. Uh, You know, I know, again, injury, layoff, all that stuff. I don't think it'll matter. I think he's going to go out there and look better than ever. Uh, Kathy, I think you're right, especially with the team change now going over to Murcielago with... uh, chaos williams and all those guys as well that's going to be interesting and not speaking of them you know all on that card you've got uh mondo gutierrez and other past guests of this show austin bashy who's been just tearing dudes up over there in xfc so like i said december uh december 10th in the hexagon uh hopefully knockouts and three counts will be in the building like the last time but uh I am definitely looking forward to seeing uh, what we see from Kenny Cross when he returns back to the cage. Uh, 
And apparently, as you can see, he's got quite the fan base here in Michigan, <laughs> even though uh, Kathy is watching us from Florida as well. Um, like I said, I, uh, I, I've been impressed by what they're doing. Like I said, I'm also interested, interested to see what happens from our buddy, Bobby Nash and, uh, seeing if he can get that welterweight strap as well. Yeah. Bobby's been incredible. And just, you know, you just see the adjustments he's made. He's, you know, he's doing everything right. Like you're getting quick finishes. That's what's going to catch the eye of a UFC or whatever. And Bobby's just such an evolved fighter than when he was in the octagon. Now, um, I, you know, you're seeing that in XFC and, and again, every fighter I've talked to from XFC, first class promotion. You don't hear that often from regional shows, right? And and to, to hear fighters just outright say that, that it's world class and, and they're getting these opportunities. It's just so great for the fighters because they're just, especially when the pandemic hit, to have to, for fighters to have opportunities like this, it's so pivotal for, for the regional scene. And I, I think it's so great for all the fighters. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they can do now that, you know, obviously we're still in the heart of it, you know, numbers fluctuating as they are. But I, once we actually do peak past the you know whole pandemic like you say i'm excited to see what they can do then once they're able to put on more frequent shows and showcase even more talent i'm i'm but to your point i'm liking everything i'm seeing as a viewer and as somebody that does media for them and even behind the scenes and stuff like that every fighter has said nothing but great words about them so it's been all pluses all around so well, like I said, we still got a lot more with UFC 268, but I had to get your I had to get your thoughts on that. Do you got any thoughts on uh, what's next for you know Brett Martin? You think we're going to see him with XFC again? We saw he went over to uh, Iridium. Um, like I say, I think he could do some damage in the heavyweight division wherever he uh, end up. The best prospect outside the UFC right now. I I think it's only a matter of time. I think linking up with Iridium is great. And by the way, shout out to Liam, his, his manager, yes, old manager. Uh, you know, a lot of managers, you know, we've seen all types of shady stuff in this business from day one. Liam's always been extremely loyal. I know Brett's been loyal to him. I think they, they see what Iridium's done. They have, what, 100 and something fighters in the UFC right now. That will help Brett get to where he needs to get to. I don't know why he's not in the UFC. I know we've heard a variety of reasons, you know, the physique, all this nonsense. It doesn't matter. You're there to fight. It's not a beauty contest. So I, I think, uh, you know, Brett's going to wreck some serious havoc i just talked to his teammate today jamal hill and uh, i know he's fired up to see uh, you know the possibility of brett getting in there and again this is one of jamal's main training partners someone that he's in the in the you know training room with every day so uh, I, I just think so many big things are ahead regardless if it's ufc xfc doesn't matter i think he's going to continue racking up those wins and he's i think i think actually what's brett's done has been great because he's building up his own brand he's you know a lot of these guys get the ufc they're on the prelims not a lot of people know about them brett's made such a big brand on the regional scene that i think once he does get to the ufc he's already going to be more well known than he would have been a few years ago and he's getting those reps in as well not that he needs them but still it helps uh when, when you're going to the big show because again a lot of fighters they get in there they go on two and you never hear from them again uh you got to be well prepared going in the end of the ufc yeah i think like you say those reps are, it always helps I and mean, you see a lot of fighters get rushed in their careers into the ufc whether by choice or whether it's just circumstance that they end up there and maybe they get an impressive knockout in their first fight or whatever the case be. And they get fed to a lot stiffer competition. And like you say, they go maybe two fights, three fights out. And next thing you know, they're on the skids and trying to work their way back in a local promotion. And it's just, it's unfortunate for a lot of guys. It really is. Couldn't agree with you more, dude, because the thing with that too, is that's why, you know, with you seeing so many guys that are having to fight multiple times on the contender series and things like that as well. Like, I mean, we just saw, what was that two last week or two weeks ago, the kid that had just fought two weeks 
two weeks prior, but Dana wanted him to fight again. And, you know, the guy that won last night, uh, he had fought, you know, a couple years ago and now is back on there. So it's like, do you, and that's another question I got for you, you being bigger, you know, getting to be more with uh, some of the big wigs with MMA, you know, do you think uh, the contender series is replacing the ultimate fighter? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think it's just the contender series. I think, you know, LFA has continued to do a good job. XFC, there's all these promotions now where, I mean, the, 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 the sort of the appeal of the Ultimate Fighter back in the day and why it was so successful was you really were seeing the best talent that was not in the UFC at the time. And there were no streaming services, right? Like we're talking 2000, what, uh, six, seven around there uh, yep. when, when the Ultimate Fighter came out. I mean, you just didn't have, you, you couldn't watch regional MMA on a Friday. It was almost impossible unless you went to the show. So I think the fact that you're seeing, you know, it's, it's not about, you know, getting the TV time. You can watch yourself fight anywhere at pretty much every regional promotion has a streaming service so it's not even that um i think that yeah contender series is hurting it and i think also like i said lfa and a lot of these other promotions are really sort of uh kind of building up their own brands and and i think you are um yeah i think i think the ultimate they have to do something different i i think they should just do another comeback season like that to me is easier because you already know who the fighters are like when you get on the ultimate fighter you have to tell their story you have to get people interested that's very difficult to do to keep their attention to get the characters i mean we've seen the guy gets drunk and has too much to drink and says something borderline that's going to get them canceled we've seen that play out every season right like that's not anything new and that's just honestly that that was sort of in the peak of reality tv when all that stuff was going on as well so i think um i think what would interest people more is seeing guys like you know look modestus bukalkas here's just a name that just popped my head guy gets destroyed by Khalil Rautry has to undergo the you know some serious surgery he's going to be out for a while he's cut but there's people who want to see can he come back and you know unless you're I, I guess you could watch him if he goes to cage wars or whatever but put him on the ultimate fighter and see how he how his comeback can, can be in the light heavyweight division there's other guys that got cut as well in that division like I don't know I'm just one of those guys that I, I'm always curious to see where these fighters go after the UFC and I think uh, they, they could really utilize that if they wanted to and they, and they just don't for whatever reason yeah, Modestius Bacostas was actually a perfect example of somebody who had suffered an, a very unfortunate injury, especially in his last fight, you know, with the... the Stomping uh, knee, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know what you, what do you, what's the proper terminology for it, the John Jones? That game. was gnarly, <laughs> dude. Yeah, and it's legal, unfortunately, but it's it's obviously something that can injure your opponent, which I guess the point is to win by any means necessary, but yeah, yeah there's, and, it's, and it's controversial, fight. right? Yeah, that makes me cringe, dude. Yeah, I can't. Every watch time I either. see it, dude, I've always said that, and like that's the thing. Like being somebody that trained and stuff like that, you were always told don't ever do shit like that to your, like you know, to your training partners. You didn't even used to train stuff like that. You know, Jones was like the first one I really ever saw like really utilize that and utilize it effectively, and that was probably one of the most gnarly ones that I can remember in recent memory. For anybody that's joining the stream, if you guys haven't done so, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And do you guys remember that gnarly, like, knee-rolling kick that was uh, just disgusting to watch? Um, But let's get back to UFC 268, man. We've got Frankie Edgar versus Marlon Vera. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens in this fight because I've been a big Frankie Edgar fan since I first started training. Um, But Marlon Vera is not going to be an easy fight for him. I think it's a good fight to really gauge the barometer of where Frankie Edgar is at at this point. But I still feel like, I still feel like Frankie Edgar is going to be able to get in there and get the job done in this one. So do I. 
I like him as the underdog here. Um, I, I think, you know, you look at it on paper, 40-year-old, you know, vet, former champ, taking on sort of an up-and-comer in Chito Vera. The one thing we've seen that's sort of been a theme throughout Chito Vera's career is that when he gets that step up, he tends not to do so well, right? And granted, he fought Aldo in his last fight, very, very, two fights ago, I should say. Very tough, uh, you know, you know, guy there as well. But I don't think Edgar's on that decline yet. I think he's the opposite of father time. I think he's one of those, I should say the opposite, but he's a guy that, yes, he's had some finishes. He got finished by Sanhagen in his last fight, but I just don't think Chito Vera is that type of finisher like a Corey Sanhagen is, no. like a Korean zombie is, like a Brian Ortega is. And, and I just think that Edgar can use his wrestling. He can use his stand-up. You know, we're two fights removed from him beating Pedro Munoz. I, I think he he will do enough to get a decision here. I think the, the smart bet, the smart play in this one, is actually the fight goes the distance if you're looking at any sort of bet because I don't think Cheeto's going to finish Frankie, and I don't think Frankie's going to finish Cheeto. I think that's probably your safest bet, but I, I think Edgar's still, still got enough left in the tank to beat a guy like Cheeto Vera. Yeah, I think the only way we do see a finish, to your point, is if Cheeto is able to implement enough pressure where he ends up fading on Frankie, which is like unheard of. But if any semblance of father time has caught up to Frankie, that may be something we end up seeing. But I think what would be smart, and I agree with both of you guys, that I'm going to pick Frankie as well. I feel like it would be smart for him to implement his wrestling in this bout because we were, to your point with the Aldo fight, the whole reason why Jose Aldo won that fight is because he implemented some wrestling in that third round and was really able to control Cheeto Vera for the most part. Um, I don't know if Cheeto's done enough in his training to improve his wrestling enough to compete with somebody like a Frankie Edgar who was able to take people down basically at will at 155 for most of his career, and then especially at 145 when he made the move down there. So. If Frankie was smart, in my eyes, he would ground out this fight and try to uh, pound Cheeto on the ground. I feel like that would be the best way for him to get a victory, and that's actually where I'm leaning in this fight because it, it would just be it would be really smart for Frankie, and I feel like in this stage, that's what Frankie's got is he's got his smarts and his will, and I feel like that's something we're going to see. Completely agree with that one. Um, for all of you guys watching this, Alex, you already mentioned a lot about the uh, WWE releases. Um, maybe I'll have to link up with the uh, the homie J uh, J Bone and uh, talk about these releases. If you guys want to see us put out a separate video about the releases, because there's even more pouring in as I'm getting texts about that too. So we're gonna have to see how tonight plays out. It wow. sounds like it could be another massive one uh for wwe so we'll have to uh see what happens with that but let me know in the comments if you guys want to see us talk about that separately um let's see what we got next so you got i'm really interested to see how this fight go uh comes back and before we talk about rose namayunas versus whaley zhang um let me ask you, do you think that uh, the training with Cejudo is going to be a very big difference for her leading into this fight? It's one camp. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to make like a huge difference. Um, you know, maybe obviously when you lose a fight, a change is probably good. Uh, like she did in the last fight. And I don't think the first fight was a fluke. Like some people are saying, I think Rose is just really that good. Um, yeah, it'll help. I mean, I think Cejudo from talking to people that train at fight ready, you know, they talk about how good of a coach he is and, and all that. I think it's going to help, but it's not going to be like an X factor in the fight. I think it's a, it's a good move, but not something that's going to play a huge role in the fight, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Corey, the biggest thing it shows is the fact that uh, she wanted to change something. That's mm -hmm. what it shows to me is that she wanted something different going into this fight. Because even, even though a lot of people in Vegas even 
with the odds feels as though that first fight was a fluke. I agree with you. I don't think it was. I feel like Rose is somebody we've seen time after time showcase that she is that good. And it, she clearly wants something different going into this fight, whether that be like wrestling going in with Henry Cejudo or whether she wants to be able to better control range or be just even more alert in the fight, whatever the case be, she definitely wanted to change something. Uh, whatever that ends up being, we'll maybe see it play out in the fight, but I'm, I'm not sure to this point. So for me, man, I, I think it'll help. I think the first fight was a banger. There's no arguing that. I think if anything, this might make this fight a little bit more technical, but overall to go off of what you said, Corey, I really do believe that Rose's mentality and let's not forget again, we've been talking, we've already talked about a little bit that the, uh, you know, Trevor Whitman having all three of their fighters on there. I think the synergy of having all three of them training and having that that atmosphere around, I feel like that that also is going to contribute to it. And I think uh, Rose Namajunas is definitely going to uh, keep the belt on this one, at least in my opinion. Um, uh oh, Kathy coming in the comments. She thinks it's going to be uh, Rose as well. I, I, I don't know, man. I just think it's going to be, I just hope we get a good fight out of this one. I guess that's my biggest hope for this fight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like Rose in this fight. Um, I don't think the first fight was a fluke. I think, uh, I think Rose is the best straw weight in the world. I think, you know, it's going to be, obviously the odds are close. Actually Rose is the underdog, which is crazy to me. Like oh. I get Weili Zhang, you know, obviously great, great finish over on Josh to win the title. She had that really close fight with Joanna and Jacek though. In fact, some people felt like Joanna did enough to win. Rose beat Joanna twice decisively, especially that first fight. She finished her. Second fight was a decision win, but I don't think there's any debate that she won the fight. Uh, you even look at her loss to Andrade, right? Like she, she was winning the first round, got slammed in the second, got knocked out in that one, was able to come back in the rematch, make some adjustments, took a really hard shot from Andrade, still survived, came back. Rose is more battle-tested, in my opinion. You look at their overall resume, and I just think that, I don't know, for whatever reason, people don't like Rose, and I think that that's blinding them from the fact that she is the best strawweight in the world. I think she goes out there and gets it done again. Is she going to do a first-round finish? Probably not, but I think she goes out there and, and gets it done. And again, Trevor Whitman, one of the best coaches in the world. Uh, he knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, no, no adjustments for Rose. What she's doing is working, and I think she goes out there and proves why she's the best in that weight class. Well, uh, to your point, I... I was one of the fans that kind of questioned when Whaley got the title bout. I was like, oh, it's just the, because the cards in China, they just kind of want to promote a local fighter and try to build her up to the title. And this is somebody who watches every single fight from pillar to post, every single match I can see. And I wasn't, didn't feel that she was at title level. And she went out there and completely proved me wrong. She really, truly did. But to your point, we've seen what Rose has been able to do throughout her whole career. And what Whaley really brings to the table in this bout, in my opinion, is the power. That's, that's her best way to change the fight is her power. She's not necessarily the biggest volume striker or anything like that. That's how why uh, Joanna was able to keep up with her. It was because Joanna was able to just out, out point her while taking more damage. And one thing that you can say about Rose is she's done a great job throughout her whole career, especially in these kind of like big step up fights, um, at avoiding the big power shots that people throw her way. That's one thing she's always been really good at is implementing that Trevor her. Whitman. Yeah. Her footwork has been amazing her throughout her whole career and her 
ability to just avoid and counter and lead the dance, but also just avoid is the best word I can think of to describe it. It really is. She's just great at avoiding what is thrown her way. And I feel like that's going to be a huge difference in this fight because I don't think Whaley is going to be able to get her down. I don't think it's going to be like a submission threat or anything like that, that she necessarily has to worry about. If anything, if she does get taken down, I feel like Rose may be trying to throw submissions off her back the whole time. So it's going to be, I feel like this fight is going to be more not entertaining than the first one because a knockout's always entertaining, especially with the head kick that was landed the way it was in that first fight. But I feel like this one's going to be more entertaining in the fact that we're going to see more. And what we've always seen from Rose is in rematches, she's always looked kind of like Rose 2.0. You could see that in the uh, Yolanda fight, and I feel like we're going to see that again in the Wei Li fight. I completely agree with you. Before we get to the main event, I got a couple questions for you as far as opinions with Colby Covington. So, you know, as many of you know, you know, he changed over to uh, MMA Masters now. Uh, How do you, do you think that that, uh, do you think from what we've seen in interviews and things like that, do you think that that could be a big change now that things are more centered around him with all the heat that we heard that he had at American top team in that. Do you think that that's going to be a big difference in this fight? I do. Yeah. He had a lot of distractions, right? I mean, you have your teammates who don't like you. You walk into the gym. That's I don't care who you are. You can have the thickest skin in the world. That's got to impact you to a certain degree. And that was something he had in the first fight. That was his last fight at American top team was the Kamar Usman fight. So I I think it's, you know, when people talk about, and I'll just say another thing. I know we're going to dig into the fight here in a second, but people talk about the improvements that Usman's made. And I agree. He looks amazing. His striking under Trevor Whitman looks like he's leveled up for sure. But who's to say Colby hasn't either? Because just because he didn't, he only had one fight. We have no idea what he's been doing in the gym. Colby's not the type of guy that's sitting around doing nothing. He's been, you know, refining his craft and probably getting the best people ever. And he doesn't have to worry about all the politics in the gym. He's literally has a camp that's centered around him. So uh, it's possible we could see a much more improved and better Colby Covington as well. I always lead the example of the, uh, you know, Brian Ortega and Korean Zombie fight. Remember going into that fight, everyone's like, Korean Zombie's going to beat this guy. It's going to stay standing. What did Ortega do? He outstruck him. No one expected that but i think it's just another reminder that fighters can get better when they have time off it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be worse because of the layoff it could mean that they're actually in the lab kind of you know developing some things so that's one thing i'd like to tell people kind of warn people because of course you see usman he's got you know two finishes in his last three fights he's been more active everything in our head says yeah he should win this and he should be you know fine but again i think you can't underestimate the time that Colby's put in, like I said, he's not a guy who's, you know, out partying or whatever. He's, he's in the gym working. And then I think that's a really important thing ahead of this fight. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, Kyle, I definitely think that that uh, is going to be a huge part in the fight because like you say, the camp being centered around him is huge, man. Every single athlete that we've had on that had any type of for real one-on-one with their head coach, where it's like, that's a, not a, an intimate relationship. That's not the right word for it, but a, very strong relationship where it's almost solely focused on them. Maybe they may might have a couple training partners, but for the most part, it's focused around them. They've talked nothing but positive about it. And every interview, even that I've seen, they talk nothing but positive about being almost not self-focused, but taking like more of the boxing approach where it's more focused around them. And I feel like it's going to be a huge factor in the fight to your point, uh, James, it's, We've all seen on display what uh, Kamaro has been able to do in his last couple fights and in his improvements and his both his jab, his 
his overall activity is, is the best way to describe it. Um, but with that being said, we haven't seen that with Colby, but we know that he's in there trying his best to get better, preparing for what he felt was inevitable, which was the rematch. I don't know if Kamara was necessarily preparing for the Colby rematch this whole time. So it's going to be a very interesting fight. I feel like another aspect that's not necessarily brought up enough in this is, at least on my unprofessional ass scorecards, I had Colby up 3-1 going into the uh, fifth round in their last fight. If they would have went to my unprofessional ass scorecards, I had Colby winning. Even no matter how that fifth round played out, unless he got the knockdown, which he did, but yada yada. It I feel like we could definitely see that, and if Colby's able to implement any bit of his wrestling and more pressure based, and have Kamaru on the back foot, we haven't seen how Kamaru's been able to fight off of the back foot, and it's gonna at least lead to a lot of questions going into the fight. Is I guess the best way to describe it because we've seen. Kamaru is so active and we've seen so much less of Colby. I could completely agree with that. So the other interesting thing that I wanted to bring up before we talk about this fight is the fact that we've already seen this fight once. We already know that Colby got his jaw broke in the first one. If he loses again in dominant fashion to Kamaru Usman, I mean, damn, that really puts him in a weird spot because now you've lost to the champ twice. And on Kamaru Usman, I mean, dude, you, I mean, like he's really cleared out the division at that point. I mean, that was like the one challenger that everybody kind of said, you know, we'd have to see what had happened with him and Colby again because Colby, you know, probably gave him the best fight he's had in his defenses other than maybe the Gilbert Burns fight. But again, Gilbert Burns was coming up to 170. So that's the interesting thing for me. Do you, what do you think, uh, what do you think happens for Colby if he loses again to Usman? That's the big question. Um, I don't know, honestly, because, I mean, he'd be in that Ioanni and Jacek territory where it's like you've lost twice to the champ. Where do you go from here? It's not like Colby's a guy that cuts a lot of weight. It's not like he could go up to 85. And I don't think he's small enough, or I don't think he, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to sort of see what the PI thinks, but I don't think he cut, could cut to 155 either. So he's kind of in this really weird spot. I guess the one sort of thing that's out there is that he was beefing with Masvidal. So if Masvidal loses to Leon Edwards, which I think is probably going to happen, you could always do that fight, but I don't know, man, that's Colby stock's going to take a huge hit. It's one thing to lose one fight as, you know, as close as that was, and he can use the whole angle of the ref stopped it early and whatever, but you lose again. I mean, that's, that's really tough. So I honestly don't know. I, I honestly don't like I'm, it's one of the few times where I can't even think of like a theory of what's going to happen here. I even asked Dan Lambert that, you know, when we did our interview, I said like, you know, is he going to go to wrestling? Cause like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like where, where's the incentive? He to... would do great in wrestling. No, I know. And so it's like, and then it's like, where's the incentive? Because he has been kind of choosy about his fights, right? Like it's not like he had to fight Gilbert Burns or Luke K or any of these other guys in the division. He fought Woodley. He was very calculated about that, right? He knew it was a winnable fight and they had their, their beef from a while ago. And then you even look at like him fighting Lawler, who's kind of on the decline. Like, I don't know. It's just like, I feel as though he's going to not really have a lot of leverage going forward. And, Oh, the other thing that's kind of concerning as well is he's been talking a lot of crap about Hamza Chimaev. I'm like, Colby, I don't know if you want to do that, dude. Like, did you see what he did last weekend? So I don't know. We'll see. But um, you're, you're like, I honestly don't have an answer to that. It's one of the few times on any show where I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure. See, I try to bring up the good questions out here, man. I, yeah, I was I was thinking this out here, man. But uh, well, go ahead, Corey. Well, I know because you had posed the question to me. I think it was behind the scenes. Uh, I don't think this was mentioned on the show. Uh but what would happen if Colby loses his fight? 
And I didn't necessarily think of that angle that maybe he wouldn't want to fight like a Gilbert Burns or Vicente Luque or somebody like that because I had noted to Kyle that so many people call him out in their post-fight speech that that's like he's the most talked about fighter that doesn't fight as much. I mean, he really isn't all that active for how many people are calling him out. So that is, that is a very valid point is I don't know if he would accept those fights, but if he wanted to, that's the route he could definitely go because there's every single person that seems like in the uh, 170 pound division calls him out after their fights. So uh, he definitely has a lot of matches. If he wants to take them would, would be how I would note that. I agree completely. Well, let's talk about the fight itself. Um, Kamaru Usman, you know, you mentioned how we talked about how at MMA Masters, Colby is getting like the centered training, but you can also say the exact same for Kamaru Usman being with Trevor Whitman, even though he's training also and splitting his time. You know, I think the one-on-one training that he's had with uh, Trevor Whitman and the synergy that they're having with Gaethje as well. I feel like it's already shown in the differences we've already seen in his striking. I mean, like I said, Kamaru Usman did not, I don't want to say had no striking, but he did not have the boxing that he's got now. He did not have the timing that he has now. And I mean, I think that's obviously shown in his last few fights. And to me, I feel like that. And again, I brought this up with Rose. I brought this up with Gaethje. I think the three of them being on the same card, I think that that's going to overall be a help for them because I think, just that energy of everybody in their team being on that card, I feel like is going to help all three of them. Um, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be maybe not as much of a, not as much of a war as the first one was. I think it'll be a little bit more technical on both ends, but I just, I don't see anybody taking that belt off of Kamaru. I think Kamaru is going to get the W in this one. Uh, I think it could very well be another finish. I'm not going to guess around, but, I feel like they're definitely going to fight, but I feel like both guys are going to come into this a little bit more technical. Now it could break down into a uh, brawl and you can call me a dumbass, but that's why we got the social media in the bottom right-hand corner there for you to do so. So what are your guys' thoughts on this fight? I like Kamaru as well. I think he takes a decision this time, though. I don't think he finishes Colby. You remember that finish came in the fifth round. I think you're going to see some wrestling from Colby in this fight. I think he's going to, you know, I think he's probably looking at what Usman's done and seeing the improvements and like, maybe we've got to mix things up a little bit because he didn't win that first fight. One other thing I'll point out, though, and again, this is sort of like a just a little warning as well. Again, I'm picking Usman. I'm not picking Colby, but do you think Jorge Masvidal beats Colby Covington? Because I don't. And, you know, one of those fights was on short notice and it went the distance. The second fight, yes, he finished Masvidal. Very impressive, but it's Masvidal. Masvidal should not be in the title picture. He got one of the weirdest title shots of all where he beats Askren, which, you know, again, nine times out of ten they fight. I, I don't know who wins that fight, honestly, because Askren's got good wrestling. And it was just one of those things. Askren did the worst thing he could do, which is go for the takedown. And Masvidal did the best thing he could do, which is throw a flying knee. Um, then he fights, uh, Nate Diaz, who we know is not a contender, right? Leon Edwards kicked his ass for four rounds. If that's a three round fight, no one's even talking about that fourth or fifth round punch. They're talking about the fact that Leon won 30, 27. And so Usman beat that guy twice. So that's one thing where I feel like people are kind of overrating his improvements a little bit, just because it's Masvidal. Like Masvidal's good. Is he a contender? No. Does Luke beat Masvidal? Yes. Does Burns beat Masvidal? Yes. Does Colby beat Masvidal? Yes. So this is kind of what I'm getting at. The Gilbert Burns win, I'll give him his due for that. That was a great, uh, you know, great win for him as well, especially finishing Burns. But they're also former teammates. Who knows if that played a role? I don't know. There's just there's a lot of things as well that I think people aren't looking at when it comes to level of opposition. And yes, Colby, you know, fought Woodley, who's you know now boxing now, not with the UFC. But 
I don't know. Like, I think that like, those are some things where, you know, we might be overrating those wins just a little bit. So I just want people to be careful. I think with Usman being three to one, that's a little high. I, I would like it to be more two to one. If, if we're being honest here, I think Usman, like I said, the first fight and Colby gave Usman the toughest fight. Like that goes even back to when he fought Woodley. Like Woodley was not in that fight with Usman at all. Like Usman just, he, he, Usman Woodley Woodley, basically. Like he went out there and just, you know, put him against a fence and, you know, t- took care of him and, and did what he needed to do. But uh, Colby by far has given him his closest fight. I didn't have it three to one. I had it two to two actually going into the fifth. But you know, what's so funny. You talk to most media members, Usman dominated the fight. Really? Or is it that you hate Colby and you're not even looking at that first fight? Because that's what, that's what I feel dominate. like a lot of he didn't exact, but people talk like it was because he finished him, and it's because they don't like Colby. You can't do that. You got to take the politics and all that other stuff out of the fight and look at this without the commentary on and just watch the fight. I had it as a pretty damn even fight. I know a lot, of, a lot of other people do as well, but the majority, because they hate Colby so much, don't look at it that way. So I feel like a lot of that is kind of giving Usman a bit of a push that maybe he doesn't deserve. So I'm going to pick Usman. I think it should be two to one. I'm going to take him by decision, though, not by stoppage. And that, that's where I stand on that. I just always got to throw that out there because I think people don't look at all the angles of this fight. I, mean, I couldn't agree with that more. Go ahead. You're Cole. definitely informing my pick as well because I was leaning just like you guys, definitely towards Kamaro because of all the improvements and such. But you make a very valid point with like bringing up Brian Ortega. Look at how much he improved in between the long layoff and the fact that he was basically able to isolate an opponent because he knew the Korean zombie fight was happening for a long time. And then what he was able to do when he showcased that was just impeccable, really. And we've seen that with Colby. He's basically had his eyes set on this one match for the last, what, year, year and a half now? And all that means a lot, especially when somebody, like we had mentioned, has a solid camp that's basically focused ice you know solely on them and being that he's isolated his opponent for so long being that he very well could have improved his skills so much i like i said i had colby winning in that fifth round going into the fifth round it's going to be a tough fight man either way it's going to be a tough fight and i hate to like lean in no direction but i feel like kamaru should win it he should because he's the current champ. We've seen the showcase of his skills, so on and so forth. But I feel like Chaos might bring uh, – he might bring something to the table, man. Kobe might really live up to his nickname and bring some chaos to the division. I, 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 it's going to be an interesting fight. I, I'm not willing to put money on either one, even with the betting line as it is. But I, I feel like Kobe may honestly walk out of there the, uh, the champ come Saturday night. So is that because people are going to lose their minds, man. I I'm, I'm actually kind of hoping that that happens just because no one's going to expect that. Like, I don't know anyone who's really picking Colby for the most part. And just the people, the media, everyone, they, they, they lose their shit if that happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be absolutely wild because to your point, so many people seem to shit on Colby's performances. Uh, they basically call the Tyron Woodley fight uh, injury stoppage. They call like, they, Look they at even the Rafael Osanios get... fight. Go on MMA decisions right now. You'll see media members who scored that fight for RDA. I don't know what planet you're living on where you thought RDA won that fight, but like, come on, people. Like, I get it. You don't like the guy. We get that, but you gotta watch the fight. You can't let that influence your your you can't bias. Can't say he lost because to... you don't like him. Yeah, that's but that's that's what it looks like to me when you're saying you know Rafael Osanios beat him. He did not beat him at all. There's no way. I'm, 
I mean, I don't know if you've seen the press conference earlier today, but even the media that was there asking questions, you could see the clear bias in the questions yeah. that were asked even. So and, and look, I get people not liking Colby, but you can't blind that when you're talking about the actual fight. That, that's all I'm getting at. Again, like I get people not liking him, but at the same time, like, you know, we got to look at this objectively. You can't look at this as, oh, we don't like Colby the person. You know, you got to look at Colby the fighter. Yeah. I just think this further points to what I was saying earlier and why Colby is like another McGregor where he's like the perfect heel for pro wrestling. Just going to throw that out there again. Oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> I think that's, that's a perfect example of it. It's just people hate him, but they don't want to admit that the, they don't want to admit the dude's good. I mean, you can't watch that fight if you're watching it just as fighter a versus fighter B and not watch that and say that Colby was, even if you had Usman winning, like you couldn't say that Colby wasn't given Usman everything he could handle up until the end of that fight. So I completely agree a hundred percent, but in this fight in particular, like I say, I think the little differences with uh, Trevor Whitman and those things are going to be the difference in my opinion. But like I say, this fight, that's the thing that makes this fight so interesting. That's the thing that makes you want to be like, yo, I got to see this fight. Um, I think the not to interrupt real quick, but I think the whole Trevor Whitman coaching three athletes. Oh. I, I I'm glad they didn't make him go back to back to back because I feel like that would have been really rough both on Trevor Whitman and his athletes. Uh, but even with Rose and uh, Kamaru going back to back, I feel like Kamaru may be at a slight disadvantage with uh, his head coach basically not being in the back room for the initial the what 45 minutes leading up to his title bout you know that's good that's that's a pretty serious thing it really honestly is i know a lot of his like striking coaches and stuff are still going to be in the back but i feel like that that may play something into the night especially if one of the dominoes falls if if somebody from the whitman camp loses early i feel like that may play some stress in both the rose and the camaro fight well, I don't know, man. I'm excited to see this. James, I appreciate your time. So before I let you get out of here, like I said, I mean, just as much as I'm a host of this thing, I'm a fan of MMA and all that stuff. So I'm always checking out your stuff. The same as when we had Dave LaGreca and them on, and we told them I listen to Busted Open every morning. So take it take it or leave it, man. I'm always loving seeing what you got going on. So is there anything uh, big you got coming out in the, uh, this week that you want to let people know about? couple quick things. I interviewed Stephen Wonderboy Thompson this week. He's got a fight book December 18th. Contracts aren't signed. I'm pretty sure it's Bilal Muhammad. We were kind of going through uh, some opponents. I, again, you got to okay. be careful with these things. Don't want to get anyone in, in trouble or whatever. But uh, I'll just tell you guys this, and it's it's not like a secret or anything. I posted this social clip on my Instagram with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you know, saying, you know, I've got this fight booked. It's verbally agreed. It's not signed. One of Bilal Muhammad's good buddies, Mike Biggie Rhodes, comments and says, I'll give you 50 bucks. I'll tell you who it is. So <laughs> that to me says, and he's not buddies with Neil Magny. I think those are the only two options. So I think I think it's probably him and him and, uh, and uh, Bilal fighting next, which is an interesting fight. Um, also talked right. to Jack Hermanson this week, um, you know, why that might be of significance. He's actually wrestling Hamzat Chimaev uh, on November 19th in Sweden. So uh, Jack's had some health issues. Apparently he was in talks to replace Luke Rockhold on that uh, card this weekend uh, when Rockhold was supposed to fight Sean Strickland but apparently he wasn't ready to go, but I guess he's healthy enough to do a wrestling match with Chimaev, which I don't yeah. know how that works. 
Uh, yeah, so, I, I I watched that interview. I was very confused on that point myself. Same here. Yeah. So you, even I was doing the interview. So so there was that as well. And then an interview that just got posted before I hopped on here. Chris Dawkins, who you know will be fighting Derek Lewis mm-hmm. on December eighteenth. Really good stuff from Chris. Chris actually handed in his uh, his his notice today. He's no longer working as a police officer anymore. Oh, yeah. So. So he's uh, he's now full time. He's he's ready to go uh, on this fight as well. And some really good tidbits. He had a really good rant on John Jones at the end. Highly recommend you checking that out. Uh, you can find all my work youtube.com slash lynch on sports. I put all my interviews and playlists. So that way, you know, because I work for a bunch of different outlets, it's much easier to follow there. And of course, Twitter, Instagram at lynch on sports and TikTok. I'm trying to build up my TikTok too. Uh, I don't do any crazy cover art, uh, you know, music or anything like that. But I just post my, uh, my my interview clips on there. That's pretty much it. So nothing nothing too entertaining. But uh, yeah. And most importantly, thanks for having me on guys i love doing this show i love the work you guys do you guys do such a good job of you know getting the up-and-comers and you give the you know the spotlight to the michigan fighters which is so important because it's such a good market for mma so uh, just keep doing what you're doing and, and thanks again for having me on man i greatly appreciate the time and always greatly appreciate the well words as well if i could pose one quick question though before we Let's end, hear it um what's your thoughts on all the signings bkfc has been able to get as of recently yeah, Mike Perry, the latest one. Uh, what uh, Chad Mendez? Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch. Um, look, I'll be honest. I'm not a huge bare knuckle guy. I, I think a lot of these guys are, are kind of going for the money. Which, hey, you know what? I know the pay's not great. Uh, you know, across the board in MMA. I don't know. I got, I got some concerns, this, you know, with some of the fighters, uh, you know, in terms of some of the damage they're taking and, and the beatings that, and all that, look, there's obviously a market for it. They, they seem to have a lot of money. Um, you know, I wish them well. I hope the fighters do great. I think Mike Perry actually of all guys is kind of like, seems like a bare knuckle type guy they can sort of build around. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I just think, uh, they, they must have a lot of money and they must be doing well if they're, they're making all these signings, right. Ostevich, Paige Van Zandt, and you know, they've got uh, Mike Perry now. So I wish them well. That, that's all I got to say pretty much, uh, as far as, uh, as far as that goes. So. Well, you know, it's funny you bring up BKFC because any of you guys that have been checking this show out, make sure you hit that subscribe button because we'll have Mark the Shark Irwin off of his uh, quick finish at the last BKFC card. He'll be be on with us Tuesday at 9 p.m. BKFC is definitely making some noise. I don't know how it'll ever be if it'll ever get up to being like a main contender or anything i think Mm -hmm. it's a good alternative i'm definitely interested to see what we see come out of uh speaking of masvidal masvidal's uh gamebred fc that was uh pretty insane to see because if i'm not mistaken (laughs) i think uh bigfoot was supposed to be the main event on the first card yeah and it didn't end up or didn't end up happening instead he he decided to dodge our buddy brett martin right i know (laughs) what the fuck like, but I, I look, he should I'm be just fighting for being honest here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. That's my thoughts. But, That's why I wasn't that upset when that match fell through is because yeah. even though it would help our, our buddy a ton, uh, well, even though a, a name of a victory over a name like that always helps, but fighting somebody at that, that stage in their career, I would just rather not see it. To be honest with you. Well, I still stick by what I said. I feel like somebody gave him the Iggy because if you listen to our interview with Darren Crookshank, who still hasn't been paid for his fight that was on that Torah card, I feel like somebody tipped uh, Bigfoot off because then if you look, he had another fight booked like two weeks later. But like I said, we've got stuff booked for this Tuesday and the next Thursday and the next Tuesday after that one. So make sure you guys come back. Hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, make sure you tell a friend, and make sure you're checking out this man over here, James Lynch. So until next time, and in the in-between time, peace.